0: The Dave Berta Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. To hear more amazing Alberta made podcasts, visit Alberta
1: I'm Dave Cornoyer, and you're listening to the Dave Berta Podcast. We are recording this episode remotely. On April fifth, twenty twenty, and I'm joined today by our producer Adam Rosenhart. Good, good afternoon. Good morning, Adam.
0: Hey, Dave. How's it going?
1: I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing in uh, in quarantine isolation?
0: Yeah, I think I'm starting to suffer from self isolation madness. Okay. Okay. But I'll be I'll be fine. Okay,
1: you bear bear through it. This is going to go on for for a little while. Yeah, apparently. And and we're thrilled to be joined by Justin Archer. Justin is a partner at Berlin Communications and a professional communication strategist. And I think this is your second time on the podcast, Justin. So welcome back. Great to be back, guys. Great. And how is uh, how is the uh, the situation treating you these days? Well, just getting used to being at home. Lots of Paw
2: Patrol, lots of coffee. But uh, and these are your kids watching the Paw
1: Patrol, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's your favorite, Justin? <laughs> Sorry, I was just going to ask Justin. You've you've also taken to Instagram to do some uh, some self isolation content. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs>
2: yeah. So uh, on Instagram, I've been doing. I don't do it every day, but I try to. I do a little series called "In True COVID Fashion," where I just <laughs> I just video, like I just record myself at my desk at home, and I do and I explain what I'm wearing as if I were kind of a fashion person. But the kind of the gag is like usually I'm wearing a hoodie or or something, so, and it's 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 pretty dumb. But I quite enjoy it, and I've I've been getting like a
1: ton of feedback. Like people just think it's really funny. So anyway, that's what I'm doing. We'll we'll, we'll have to add fashion influencer to your uh, to your job sure. to your description here on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Please do. So anyway, thanks for joining us today. Um, We're. Uh, we're here to talk about Alberta politics and Canadian politics and everything that's going on. It's it's such a strange. I mean, this is the second podcast we've done during the during the pandemic. The second podcast we've done since uh, people have been self isolating. And it feels like it feels like every. I mean, it's kind of cliche because it seems like everybody's saying it, but it feels like every week is like a month, and that there is so much going on in the course of uh of a week in politics in the economy in in communities um now justin you're you're a business owner yeah. Berlin communications can you can you share with us a little bit about how how you've been dealing with this how is how, what what has the COVID 19 uh pandemic meant meant for your business
2: yeah happy to talk about it um well, I guess this will be, um, I guess when this comes out, probably on Monday, that'll be the beginning of week four, right? The fourth Monday of being mm-hmm. home. So the Friday before, like the Friday before all this started, if you remember that week, like in mid-March, um, you know, it was, we knew that COVID was, was was happening and we were, I think, maybe just about to start, see the first community transmission. And and my business partner, Michael Brechtel and I, And our uh, operations director Elizabeth Showalter were kind of you know convening quite regularly that that week prior to say okay like what are what are we gonna do here and are we prepared and so on the Friday before um, I had sent an email to the whole staff on behalf of Michael and I saying hey guys you know what it looks like there may be a kind of a work from home thing happening soon please Think about what you need to do you know like what files do you need you know we sort of said to everybody like oh, you know we'll pay for you to get extra internet or whatever you're going to need at home to kind of do your thing um and uh and and please stay on your email because i don't this decision may be made over the weekend and so i remember on that friday sending that email up thinking oh man we are overdoing this like every we're going to be back at work on monday and and it's going to be you know a little bit different but I I kind of felt like, man, we are, we're just totally overcomplicating this. And then we actually made the decision on the weekend. Like it was moving that fast that by Sunday, Michael and I are on the phone, actually Michael and and Elizabeth, the three of us are on the call and we're like, yeah, we can't do this. So we, everybody went in on Monday morning for, we always have a team meeting on Monday and the team meeting was like, uh, get your stuff kind of a thing. And, and, and it was just crazy how fast. And then luckily I think, um, you know, in, in, in the knowledge economy in in 2020, we're all so well equipped to work from home. Like everybody I'm talking to, you know, you have a laptop or maybe a desktop, but all the tools that our company uses are in the cloud. Like our time tracking, our design softwares, even, you know, creative suite is available in the cloud. Uh, everything sort of seamlessly just moves home and it was already in the cloud. So from like a workflow kind of basis, it, probably isn't all that disruptive. And you know, that's why I'm kind of interested in wondering, well, what is this gonna mean for companies going forward? Like, is everybody gonna have to go back? You know, what does it mean for commercial real estate? What does it mean for the way that we work together and talk together? I think we're gonna see a lot of people coming out of this going, huh, I never thought about it like that, but maybe we could do it a different way. So it's kind of an interesting thing to think about.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I think you're right in terms of. I mean, those of us who are fortunate to be able to work mo- work remotely and work from home. I mean, it does. It does create a different. Uh, I mean, it is. It does. It obviously creates a different, a different, a different type of work environment. But it does raise the question about, uh, and kind of a, a bit of an existential threat, I would say, to uh, the downtown cores, the business centers inside inside our major urban centers, and even downtown Edmonton, which has seen over the past. I don't know, five or ten years has seen a bit of a boom, construction boom, new towers going up. Uh, yeah. I do wonder after, I mean, if this does last until the fall or the next three or four months, what does this mean for, yeah, commercial real estate prices? What does this mean for for the type of urban centers that were, uh, uh, you know, were being were being I'd say rejuvenated or revitalized or or booming uh, before this happened? I mean, obviously, mean, yeah. you know, Edmonton was its was its own situation. Calgary had its own. Uh, its own uh, challenges before COVID nineteen, with the with the price of oil dropping back five years ago that they still haven't recovered from. But even even the, I mean, not just COVID, but but thinking about the the price of oil where it is now, um, since it's dropped over the past few weeks. I mean, I, I don't know, like my goodness, like How, like this is the biggest
2: story ever for Alberta, and we're not even talking about it. like I don't know, West like Western Canada Canada Select was at five bucks the other day. I think it might be up a little bit now to like. Actually, I don't. I don't even know. So I won't say. But but like, if this were any other time, this would be front page news. You know, twenty four seven in Alberta, and we're kind of like, oh yeah, I think there's an oil problem too. <laughs> but but COVID is just it, it's everything right now.
0: Justin, I, I'm curious to to know like how your clients are doing. Like, has work tapered off? for you are you is there enough to keep folks in your in your operation busy?
2: Yeah. Well. We had we were on a pretty good clip in March and things have like we're still quite busy. We're starting to see in a lot of people I'm talking to, we're starting to see work that's a little bit further down the pipeline, like like say stuff that you were going to do in the summer. Um it's kind of not even canceled but maybe on pause. Like I think a lot of people just are going hang on a second. What is my world going to look like? And and I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about clients and people that hire folks like us are going, you know, what, just what's going on. So I think we've all taken a little bit of a pause. Uh, We're getting a lot of work though, in a more sort of rapid response scenario where people say, okay, I want to get a press release out about what my company's doing about this, or I need you to help me write a letter to some people about this or that. So there's, there's, there's different stuff I find we're kind of getting asked to like hop on right away, but then we're also kind of tending our further down pipeline and trying to understand what's going to happen down there. And so, I mean, yeah, we haven't, we haven't really slowed down yet, but I don't feel quite as confident um, in Two three months down the road, as I probably did a month ago, and so we just have to be really good at staying on top of that and understanding, you know, and talking to clients. I think like it's important to just talk to people and find out, like, so do you, you want to keep doing this? Do you do you you know do you want to put pause on this? And, and for the most part, I think people still want to keep going with things, but they're just making those decisions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be like a, a series of adjustments as we move through. And yeah. I, I hate to say this, but a new normal. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and do, yeah. do you think, I mean, from from folks that you talk with, Justin, do you get the impression that people think that, or people are expecting that things are going to return to normal in the next four or five months? Or is there a real expectation that things are, that Adam says there's, you know, the new normal and that things will, I mean, we don't, I guess we don't really know what the new normal even looks like. Yeah. Um, but is there an expect, do you think there's an expectation that things will drastically change in the next, like when, when? Yeah. when this or this- I think get- business
2: owners are always, you, you have to be a bit of an eternal optimist to be an entrepreneur a lot of the time. So they tend to, business owners, especially at the beginning, we're like, okay, this is gonna be quick, we're gonna get through this. I think now, as everybody's starting to understand, this could last a little bit longer. People are starting to say, okay, well, what do I need to do to make sure that, uh, you know, that we can make it through this, that we can continue to employ people and serve clients through this. and. Yeah. And what is it? What does it look like on the other end? I personally felt um, at the beginning like it wasn't going to be that long. Like I, I thought oh, I'll be a month or two and uh, it doesn't really look like that. I mean, it's already been a month, right? And and we're just kind of getting going I, I, is, is my feeling on this thing. So it's uh, it, it's really tricky for business. And, and the other thing is um, there's some sort of uh, government programs are available for businesses and for and for people. And it's, it's taken a while to kind of understand what that is actually a little bit, maybe longer than I would have thought. So I think every business owners kind of got one eye on government announcements and programs and trying to figure out whether or not they fit into some of those criterias and then the other eye on keeping the thing running, you know, and, and also, um, Keeping keeping staff feeling happy and comfortable and, and keeping clients feeling like they're getting good service. So there's a lot of different balls and, and I know business owners are no, you know, not challenged anymore than anyone else. I'm sure we're all dealing with a lot, but I, but I think business owners at this time are really being pushed to, you know, to use all of whatever skills they've got in their toolbox to kind of to kind of work through this and to multitask their way through this in a, in a sensible and, uh, and long term way.
1: And I, I mean, when you spoke about government support or government funding, government programming, I mean, I think that one of the, I would argue that at this point in time, with the the pandemic situation and the economic situation, especially here in Alberta, I mean, I think that one of government's top priorities should be keeping people either employed or people sup- financially supported um, if they're not able to seek employment because they've been laid no. off. Or and I mean, it's not like there's a there's a big open job market at this point right now. So if you were laid off four weeks ago, or, or before that, it's not like there's good, there's this glut of jobs that that is just available for people who are unemployed. So I mean, government, keeping the people who are employed now employed and supporting people who are unemployed, and hopefully trying to kickstart the economy through different programs after now, I'm, I'm looking at my screen right now, and I'm looking at a tweet from March twenty seventh. And this oh, is, is this, did I do this? And, this is a tweet that you sent out and and yeah. you, no, 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 I'm I'm putting you on the spot but I'm just saying that you, you were you were incredibly optimistic about a week yeah. more than a week ago that the federal government would be able to that an announcement from the federal government would mean uh, support for I mean I, I guess you, can you explain what you thought that mean? You were you were incredibly optimistic that the federal government would 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 step in and 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 Mr. Trudeau would step in and support uh, provide the financial support needed. Can you can you just read the tweet, Dave, so that sure. the listeners yeah, yeah. can see what an absolute bootlicker I can be? <laughs> so here you go. At Justin underscore Archer on March 27th. This announcement by the PM this morning is the most incredible act of government I have ever seen. Bravo, Mr. Trudeau. And wow. Okay. And and then and then uh, three or four days later, actually on April first, so uh, uh, I guess you got April fooled. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you tweeted. I tweeted this while watching PM's announcement on wage subsidy last Friday. Oops, I was wrong. Six-week cash delay, plus contrast with last year's same-month rev, renders it not useless. Or if not useless, then far less useful. Sorry to all employees and employers who will suffer. Disappointing. Yeah. Wow. But can you tell me
2: about pick the- a side, hey pal? Um- <laughs> <laughs> so i was yeah so i was so okay the we had heard that there was programs in the works uh this was kind of the end of week one of quarantine and we'd heard that there's programs in the works maybe it was the end of week two actually and uh whatever um the prime minister all of a sudden i saw a tweet from uh, mercedes stevenson who's a uh a national media figure in ottawa at ctv and she says breaking pm speaking right now so i stopped what i was doing watched the live newscast and he's up there basically going uh, what I what I thought he was saying was uh, we're gonna and I'm paraphrasing here I thought he was saying look we see that there's going to be incredible amounts of unemployment and We've made a strategic decision to try to keep people on payroll within firms rather than in the unemployment line Because we're paying for them one way or the other We're either paying them for them in unemployment or we're paying them for through a subsidy to their employers but we're trying to keep them within the firms so that on the other side of this thing whenever that comes We've got firms that are intact. We've we can kind of spring back, and we can have that great third quarter or great fourth quarter with with all kinds of growth that that everybody's hoping for. And so I kind of I just I was watching this press conference, and I was just kind of watching him even like his mannerisms, and I'm like, man, he believes this. You know, like I've been watching this guy for quite a while now. He's been the prime minister for quite a while, and I could just tell he really truly believed it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, he's going to take the economy on his back here, and he's going to make sure that firms have what they need to do to make it through. What a guy. And I'm just, that was when I sent out that tweet. And, and I, I do think that's what he meant to do. Actually. I, I, I believe that that's what he meant to do. But the problem was, then he goes, okay, well we're going to get details on Monday. So everybody's like, Oh my God, let's find this out. Monday comes nothing. Tuesday comes nothing. Finally on Wednesday, more comes out and goes great news. It's a wage subsidy. Um, and it's going to be based off of being 30% down. And from this month to the month 12 months earlier, so like this March to last March, you're going to be 30% down and in three to six weeks, there's going to be a uh, place where you can apply and then we'll see about getting you the money after that. So then in my mind, I'm going, okay, so say it's, he said three to six weeks, it's probably six weeks. So six weeks, you can apply. Then what does that application look like and how does that get evaluated? It's give them another couple of weeks to approve or disapprove you. Say they even approve you, then they get you the money. So... I'm going, man, this money is like three months away. So if you're, and I could be wrong, but like I I don't know. That's how it looked to me. So if you're if you're about to die <laughs> as a firm, not not die, like your heart stop beating, but you're about to go out of business, and you go, okay, I can keep these folks on my payroll right now for three months, hoping to get some cash down the road if I qualify and, and whatever else happens, or I can let them go right now. It's a no-brainer. You're gonna let them go. So If Trudeau's um, objective was to try to keep people on firm payroll, I don't think that the execution of this program meets that objective. And so that was my disappointment, I guess, and my criticism on the other side of it. And uh, I don't think that, I don't know that what the easy way of doing it is, but, but I guess, I think it just needs to be faster and less bureaucratic and less rules around it and and say to guys or to to businesses not to guys to people that own businesses um, we're going to claw it back if you cheat okay so like here's the parameters we're going to claw it back if you cheat but for now let's just get all this cash right out the door and so i wish they would take that approach rather than a more traditional plotting bureaucratic approach when we are in the middle of a emergency that's my that's my basic beef dave
0: (laughs) So you'd be looking for like some kind of cash infusion immediately and kind of sort out the de not not sort out the details later, but like here's emergency money. You need this right now. Yes. You need to make your next three, four payrolls, whatever. Yes. And you're we're gonna have you report on this kind of like your taxes and then it'll all come out in the wash. That's what you were hoping. For.
2: Something like that, yeah. And then, so what they've done, which is which is more like that actually, is this loan program. So they've said, you can borrow 40,000 interest-free, I believe it's interest-free, and then you only have to pay back 30,000 of it, uh, as long as you pay it back by know, about a year and a half from now, I think. But. I mean the government's not a bank, so they don't really administer loans. I mean they've got the the BDC, but the uh, so I, I think the government has given banks um, kind of some parameters around around this and and so people are gonna be able to get this loan out of the banks, which helps. Mm-hmm. but on the other hand, if you think you're going out of business and I don't know if these loans are personally guaranteed or not, I, I should learn that. but if you think you're going <laughs> out of business, do you want to borrow 30 grand to to, to bleed out? <laughs> and then have that, uh, you know, that accountability at the end of the day. I'm probably not.
0: It's the Canadian emergency business account that you're talking about. and okay. there, there are few details. I, I found some information on uh, TD Canada Trust's website um, about this. And basically it's, uh, let's see here. So um, it provides qualifying businesses with access to a loan of up to 40,000 to help with your most pressing needs. Uh, it requires an active business account with your bank as of March 1, 2020. The interest rate is 0% until December 2022. No minimum monthly principal payments until December 31st, 2022. And loan forgiveness up to $10,000 provided the balance is fully paid on or before December 31st, 2022. Now, I, they're positioning this as something for small business, but... and. I don't, I've never owned a business where I've needed to pay employees, Justin. But forty thousand dollars doesn't sound like a lot of money.
2: No, like we're for, you know for your listeners, we we have we have ten employees. Um, we would chew through that, and like that's not that's not half a month. Like that, you know, it's less than half a month for us, and and you know, we're not a big business. So for a lot of people, that is just like a day. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so that does it's, it's just. I mean, it's not it's not a terrible program. I think it's cool. I think it's nice that they're doing that. But if we really want to Okay, look at we are throwing everything we can throw at this thing on the health side. Okay, everybody in the world is staying in their house Like we're doing it all I Think the I mean health is more important than the economy But I do think that we need to take this as seriously economically and the measures that we've seen so far are Not there they're they're like you just said, Adam. Like that's forty grand's nothing. Uh, this wage subsidy thing. The big problem with the wage subsidy, um, if we can just go back to that for a second, is that it's you have to be thirty percent down in revenue year over year. So this your your March twenty twenty has to be thirty percent less revenue than your March twenty nineteen. There are all kinds of reasons why a business that wouldn't meet those criteria that desperately needs this money. So one example I can give you is a like a tech startup. So you know we talk. You know, Minister Baines and and the um, and the Prime Minister talk a big game about helping our tech community and helping ensure that we've got, you know, a post resource economy thing happening in Canada. And so most of a lot of those companies are pre revenue. So like they would have zero revenue in March 2019 and maybe zero revenue still even with a lot of employees, right? Because they're taking VC money and they're taking wherever they can get investments from. The idea is that you scale and ramp it right up. And so if, uh, if, if those people don't qualify like founding a tech company is a hard thing to do and and getting any traction is a hard thing to do. And and so if we lose all those kind of early stage pre-revenue companies, now we wipe that all out. We're wiping out, way 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 more future value in our economy by letting those guys die so i think it's really important that those those companies are not allowed to all die and i'm not sure i, I mean i know for a fact that i've talked to a few tech uh, tech company um ceos and founders in the last little bit and they're, and they're just like this this is not going to help for my personal situation and so there's just more that needs to be done to make sure that this is actually the the, rigid, the prime minister's lofty statements which i was uh just absolutely rolling on the ground about um, we need to make sure we're actually delivering on that. And I hope the federal government starts to realize that in a real hurry.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce did an impact survey with its members. They released on March 31st and uh, at the time there were it's like 4% said they were going or have gone out of business. Up to 47% of respondents believe they may go out of business in the future. So, okay, nearly, so nearly half of those members, like we're, we are, this has never happened before. No. Maybe, no. maybe and, Great Depression stuff, but.
2: You know. Yeah. I, I don't think the Great Depression was as bad as this, Adam. And, and, and the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce has a serious outfit. Okay. And they've got, their members are truly uh, a, a good cross-section of the small business community here in town and so if, the, if they're saying stuff I didn't know that but if they're saying that that gives you an idea of how serious this thing's is going to be and if and if those and if those companies do go to business all their staff just end up on unemployment anyway so that's kind of the thing we have to remember is we're paying for it either way it's mm-hmm. not we're just giving business all this money for free and and the the other side uh, doesn't have those costs the other side has those costs too it's just that we're paying for, through EI and then now they don't have a job
0: This episode of the Dave Berta podcast is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Park Power is a small local business, and like many of you, it has been closely monitoring the news on COVID-19 and the world's rapidly changing circumstances. While many of their team are currently working remotely, the way Park Power does business has not changed, and their commitment to exceptional customer service will remain. Find out more about Park Power's response to the COVID-19 outbreak at parkpower.ca. This episode of the Dave Berta podcast is also brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven news coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot has launched a service to answer your questions about Edmonton's response to the COVID-19 pandemic and our experience of it. The idea is to help you understand this complex and quickly evolving topic with succinct, well-sourced answers to any question you might have. Find the COVID-19 microsite at taprootedmonton.ca
1: speaking of the the unemployed I'm unemployed Canadians, I was reading a report this morning that was talking about the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit, which is another part of this economic response plan that the federal government has rolled out. And and the I think it was the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives released a report that showed that one third of those 2.7 million Canadians who were unemployed by the end of March will not qualify for the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. And I saw a report out of this morning, I think David Aiken uh, tweeted that uh, another group that won't, that won't apply or won't, won't be eligible for this are students who will have had their student, their summer jobs canceled because of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a, this is a pretty, I mean, this is a very, a very serious challenge uh, for Canada. And I mean, the federal government, I mean, maybe provincial governments need to step in uh, to, to fill the stop gaps. But I mean, this is the, this seems to be the role of the federal government, where the federal government is most important is to support these people who are who are unemployed because of the economic situation, because of the pandemic, because that these jobs simply aren't aren't don't they, these jobs that students, for example, were 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 planning on on uh, on on working in during the summer. These jobs just simply don't exist anymore because these businesses are either shut down or they're not allowed to open. Uh, or the, yeah, these jobs just just don't. Or exist. you're
2: definitely not taking a student. Like we 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 typically always take. Uh, an intern t- generally we we often take an intern out of the um, the Grant McCune University Public Relations program. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we hire them at the end of the summer, like I, many years we have. and we we were planned on taking one this year and we actually um, we talked about it a little while ago and it's just like now we can't it, how would you even onboard someone throughout this, right? Like how would you it just it just it's just not where anyone's heads. Are. I don't think any there's not too many people that own companies right now. I mean, if they are thinking about growth, great, good for them. I, I, I hope there's a lot of you out there, but I don't think that there is. I think it's much more, okay, how can we kind of defend ourselves against whatever's happening here is, is more where people's heads are at. And thanks, David, for pointing out, too, this is not just a thing that impacts businesses. Like, that's kind of maybe my lens some of the time, but you're right. Like, all those people that need to get those benefits that, that for for whatever reason, I'm not sure why they don't qualify, but that's a huge problem and so that's another another great example of where i think the government needs to say let's open this up let's let's say yes before we say no now and if it does turn out later down the road that somebody was scamming it or whatever we we can always claw back on when we do their notice of assessment on their tax return you know like there's but mm-hmm. right now we just need cash out there cuz cuz nothing cuz everything's grinding to a halt yeah
1: well, I can't, I- people who are you know un- I mean we've had provincial governments step in and say no one's going to be evicted at the end of March or at the end of, at the beginning of April but but that's not necessarily going to apply to people who aren't able to pay their rent this month and will face you know perhaps uh, face landlords who are less uh, less amenable to to finding different arrangements going ahead at the end of April or the end of May or the end of June if this is a yeah. long-term thing like there's a, there's some real real consequences around people who you know people not being able to pay their, you know, pay their rent, not gonna be not being able to pay their credit card. And I think that's something the federal government really needs to put pressure on the banks and the credit card companies to do to to roll back some I mean, maybe some economists out there might argue with me, but I mean I would think that at this point rolling back interest rates on credit cards was probably probably providing some interest relief on credit cards is would probably be a smart idea from um, my kind of Uninformed uh, financial opinion. I, I think that would probably help a lot of people out.
2: Well, it's typically 20 percent right on yeah. on an overdue balance. So that's general. And I mean, that's if and what are you going to do? I mean, if you've got no other way of getting food or no other way of getting what you need, you're going to put it on your credit card. Like every, like that's just a, that's a human response. Right. And so, yeah, to now have, you know, you serious interest rates on top of that feels a little off. Another thing about interest rates that. I learned this week I was speaking with my mortgage broker and so without I and I probably know not nearly enough about this to talk about it in public but here I go. Um, so the banks get money from the central bank and they pay a little bit of a small amount of interest and that's set by the bond yield like which how much money it costs to borrow money off the off the treasury. and so the bond yield and the actual uh, amount of, uh, of a residential mortgage on offer are usually pretty close. Like maybe the bank will make one and a half or one and three quarters percent. And so that's why we've had such low interest rates. Like if you guys go and resign your mortgage, you know, you get three or 3% or something because yeah. the the central bank, the bond yield's been really low and then, and then the spread over that. And so the central bank is dropping the, uh, the interest rate, uh, to try and stimulate activity right now to like almost zero. Like, I don't know if it's a quarter of a percent or half a percent now, but we're not seeing that benefit as consumers. And the reason for that is banks are worried and they should be that they're going to have more issues with uh, repayment and people that are unable to meet their obligations down the road. So in order to kind of hedge against what they see as greater future defaults, the spread between the bond yield and the uh, residential mortgage rate on offer is going up they're doing that to protect themselves which is i mean they need to protect themselves but it, but the, the reality of it is mortgage rates should be falling this week and they're rising and i don't know what the sort of the policy fix is for that on, on behalf of the government but like you hate to see uh you know a central bank trying to add liquidity by cutting interest rates and people actually having the opposite effect within their households mm-hmm. it's crazy and it's it's something that um, it's something that I think we got another thing horrible thing maybe down the road is if we do start seeing more defaults well that spreads can go bigger and bigger and what's gonna happen interest rates are gonna go higher and higher and you just can start to paint a, a really really sad picture of a couple of years down the road if if interest rates are what they were many years ago and and uh like how do we come out of that so I think they're there might be some role, I guess, where I'm headed for the federal government to have some role in setting the rates that banks can charge customers. Now, I don't know if that makes me like a pure communist to say something like that, but I think it's it's something that we ought to be considering. I'm sure there's smarter people you know, at the Department of Finance that are working on these problems right now. But that's another aspect of this that's going to play out in the
1: in the months and years to come. Yeah, I'd be interested if there are any... Um... Uh, economists or or financial types who are listening to this podcast if you could uh, if you had any had any thoughts or feedback on it feel free to send us a send us a tweet or send us an email I'd be really interested to hear people's thoughts on that
2: and correct me if I said that whole thing wrong communist Justin (laughs) (laughs)
1: we've been we've been talking about I mean we're talking about, about a lot about the federal government and the federal government's response now in terms of, I mean, I guess because we could look at look at what the provincial government is doing. I mean, thoughts on what what on how the province is responding. I think I was on I was on Ryan Jesperson's show on six thirty Ched yesterday, and one of the comments that myself and I think, well, maybe not maybe less so the the other panelists, but one of the comments that I made was I th- I thought that in terms of Justin Trudeau and in terms of Jason Kenney and even even some other premiers. I mean, Doug Ford, who seems to be surprising everybody with how reasonable he sounds. Uh, during this, during the pandemic crisis, um, that we can be, I, I think we, the, we can give them credit for listening to the public health professionals, listening to the medical professionals when it comes to uh, supporting frontline healthcare workers, when it comes to listening to the advice of, of public health professionals in terms of taking the measures that they're recommending. Um, and I think across the board in Canada, we can probably agree that that the politicians are doing well uh, on that, especially compared to down south of the border, where it seems to be a total gong show, and I and and I think we all seem to expect that horrible things are going to happen as as a result of the decisions or indecisions, not non decisions that Donald Trump has made. Um, but on the political side, I mean, I, <clears throat> so you have the, the 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 pandemic response, and then you have kind of the politics of of government governance and the politic political agendas that are being pushed forward, and it seems that federally. Uh, a lot of the political kind of the political agenda that that Justin Trudeau was uh, was reelected, the Liberals were reelected on last year. Um, though I think it'll be interesting. I mean, mo- most of that seems appears to have grinded to a halt, or at least taking second, you know, is 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 secondary or tertiary right now. I think it'll be interesting to see whether the whether their uh, economic support for the oil and gas industry what that looks like and how that plays into the into the climate change agenda and and the green economy agenda that that has been that was taking uh, building up steam before uh before the pandemic if there if there's an element of that but i think provincially here in alberta there seems to be like there's the pandemic side of the situation where dr dina hinshaw is a folk basically a folk hero and an internet sensation in this province uh, and probably one of the one of the most trusted public figures in this province and then there's the political side where Premier Jason Kenney seems to be continuing to implement a political agenda that that, or trying to sell, at least trying to salvage a political agenda. Um, I mean, we saw last week, been last weekend, uh, Education Minister Adriana Lagrange announced that funding would be cut to school boards, leading to twenty-five thousand education jobs being lost. And I mean, we I said this at the beginning of the podcast. I think one of the most important jobs of government right now is to keep people employed. And whether schools are closed or not, having people employed, these people, a lot of these people were still doing work. It's not like their jobs just simply stopped. These were a lot of them were education assistance, education support people, um, and so there, there's that. And then there's this. What I think is one of the most interesting moves of the week was the TC Energy, the Keystone XL pipeline uh, decision that, that Jason Kenney announced at six a.m. on. Monday last Monday morning, and I mean, there's some suspicion that he made the the you know made the completely unusual six a.m. press conference uh, in order to do it before the markets open. But it was a uh, I think a 1.5 million dollar investment, and then six six billion dollars in loan guarantees uh, to t- to TC Energy, which was formerly known as Trans Canada Energy, for the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline. And I mean, it seems kind of you know, totally disconnected. And one day you lay you announced the layoffs of twenty five thousand people and then the next day, basically the next day you announced a big investment in in pipelines to create seven thousand jobs or supposedly seven thousand jobs. But it seems to me that this is a big part of salvaging a political agenda. And I think it was Melissa Cowett on from crestview Strategies who was on the panel on Jesperson's show, who said made the point of when you look back a year ago, I mean, because we're almost up to one year at reaching the one year mark of the 2019 provincial election. You look at the, those, the three key points that the UCP ran on, which was economy, jobs, and pipelines. And at this point, economy and jobs are out the window at this point. The government has no control over that. Uh, you know, Who knows what things are going to look like in three years when the next provincial election comes up. But investing in the pipelines... Could be seen as an attempt to salvage that last at least one point of their political agenda. That that this is what what they promised, and if they can deliver on pipelines, you know, there's all sorts of extenuating circumstances that they can probably justifiably argue the reasons why the economy and, and the jobs are don't you know are 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 being lost, or if we're not in a good situation in three years from now. But but they see that as as salvaging one part of is of the kind of visible political agenda that they promised last year. So I mean, I guess I wanted, to, wanted just wanted to talk about. I mean, you could. Res- respond to this, if, to the, those those comments, if you want, Justin. But I wanted to talk about optics and how our political leaders are 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 acting in this, are responding to this situation of crisis.
0: We already know what you think of Justin Trudeau from that tweet you sent. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, he's he's gone on to disappoint me greatly, Adam, in the in the times. Uh, I couldn't really sit here without being a hypocrite and uh, drone on about how. Uh, we need to be so uh, we need to be so focused on subsidies for business to keep people employed and then agree that it made sense to lay off twenty five hundred twenty five thousand public servants. I think that, that was a uh, I just think that they told they they misread that and we need to keep people off of the unemployment lines as much as possible right now. And that would have been pretty easy to do to just not fire those guys, uh, th- those people and um, The cynical side of me says, well, you can get them off of provincial payroll and and onto a a federal unemployment insurance program. You know, that's probably a calculation that that was made, but it it, it feels very callous and uh, outside of the sort of prevailing mood in society right now. I think overall, um, the Kenny government has showed in the last year that they are very serious about... Uh, meeting the promises that they laid out on the platform. And, um, you know, I'm not in in any way close to the premier or the people around him, but I've heard that they have a list of, you know, 300 and however many promises that they made and and they want to take them off. And so um, that's something that they're going to continue to try to do. But I think you just have to, I've been saying to clients over the past couple weeks, like almost like forget what you were planning on. And now reset everything in the COVID time because it's just changed the complete landscape that we're operating in, that we're communicating in, that we're dealing with stakeholders in. And if you forget and you you do the thing that you planned a year ago without kind of recalibrating it now, it's just going to feel off. And you, you mentioned the example of Doug Ford, perfect example of somebody who's really thrown out the old playbook and said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take a new approach, given the, the novel circumstances that, that we're in and it's working really well for them. And I think, uh, elected officials that take that lesson will be well served by it in the months to come. And it's not too late. I mean, we're still early, in, early in this thing, but you, you just want to remember like, okay, was that the plan from before COVID or is, is that still the plan now? Cause th- that might not be the same thing. I want to touch on one other thing, Dave, that was kind of corollary to what you brought up. And, and that's like when, um, and this government got elected and uh, Minister Chandra was appointed health minister. One of the things that was identified was that health care costs were uh, higher than they are in other provinces, higher than they were per capita, uh, a massive and growing part of the budget in lots of different ways. Doctor compensation, all, all, all of the different pieces of it. And so he was given I'm I'm fairly sure fairly clear marching orders to we talk about bending the curve. They wanted to bend the curve in health care costs. And so some of the stuff that we're seeing, you know, the antagonism of doctors and nurses and uh, other elements of the health system, that was the plan. And that was what he was supposed to do. And, you know, uh, have it out with these guys, explain why they're overpaid, bring it down. Well, but when that is put against the backdrop of Dr. Hinshaw doing a wonderful job and of every you know, people clapping on their balconies for the, for the health workers, it's like, you just picked a fight with Superman, like, you know, like, like, like there's, there's so much love right now from society towards the healthcare workers that the, the, again, the plan, which was to go and poke them in the eye and, and, and get some of the money back off them. It just feels really out of step now. And I, I don't, we'll have to see whether they recalibrate that or not. I'm not sure that they will, to be honest, but you have to think about if that, it does, it still make sense to do the thing that you wrote down a year ago given that the world has changed so much in the last month mm-hmm. but you wanted to talk about the uh, perceptions of the different leaders federal yeah. provincial yeah, yeah yeah i mean
1: it, it just i mean if i could raise just one just one point coming off of, yeah. of, of what you just said i mean i think in terms of like recalibrating i mean i think that's a perfect point in terms of of the fight that tyler shandor has been having with with doctors and nurses it's you know now is just not the time to be continuing that i, I, uh, I, I agree and, and I mean, another point, I mean, one of, the, one of the things that we heard from, and I don't know the exact quote, because it was said during a, a luncheon at the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, and I don't think it was recorded, and it was, it, the, the exact quote wasn't really. And you weren't, you weren't there. And I, and I wasn't there. Right. So Travis Taves, finance minister, supposedly said something along the lines of, uh, diversification is not a luxury we can afford, last October like diverse in terms of diversifying the economy talking about oil and gas like talking about oil and, that, and talking oil and gas. gas and it seems that i mean now obviously you know there there needs to be some support for for obviously for the people who work in the oil and gas industry i mean there needs to be support for people who work in the oil and gas industry especially those who are who are unemployed and and and, and need to find new jobs but now it seems like the perfect time to diversity, to to, to actually talk about diversifying the economy. We, I mean, we, I've talked about this on the podcast before, is that it seems that every time, I mean, we we rely so heavily on the oil and gas industry in this province, and, and it's an international commodity whose prices we have no control over, and every time it does us wrong, we double down on it. And, I mean, it seems that when the price of Western Canadian Select hits $5 or hits $3 a barrel. Now should be the time to be talking about diversification, and I, I mean, I couldn't help but think. But when you were talking about the tech sector just a, just a few minutes ago, uh, now is the time when we need those companies to be to be surviving. We need those we need those types of 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 skilled, trained workers who understand the, the tech industry and who can kind of create a new create a new economy. When as we're going through this pandemic and this international crisis or this economic crisis, uh, and as we we look at what you know what what's going to come out? what are we going to look like when we come out the other end and and i don't see uh i don't see investing in a pipeline as the an oil pipeline as the solution to our to our problems i mean it seems like they're they're looking at at alberta from 20 or 30 years ago and thinking well how can we sustain the old model and i probably we need- don't i probably don't quite go as far i, I actually don't mind the
2: pipeline investments like i, I like the fe- i mean I, I love the federal one i don't mind the provincial one i just think that it has to be what it has to be something that we're doing now while also working on diversification. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I mean, I think that, you know, that th- this industry has done a lot for Alberta. It probably will continue to have a big uh, role in Alberta, but it's not going to go on forever. And and I think we, y- your point that we don't control the price is, is what we always have to remember. So this whole thing is around Russia and Saudi Arabia trying to squeeze out American shale oil. really. and, and we're just this, we're just this, uh, you know, corollary damage i guess or or however you want to call that and so that was totally out of our control so i think we do need to diversify but at the same time i i'm i am in favor of you know public support for infrastructure that's going to allow this industry to continue to provide uh wealth uh to albertans in the future and the other thing i think about infrastructure is and i've heard and i don't know how right or wrong this is but there's, you know, in the United States, they're talking about a big, you know, several trillion dollar infrastructure bill, like a new deal size of a thing. And I think that's exactly what's needed here in Canada too. And and we've got to, we, right now, we just need to make sure that things don't fall apart and just get paid and bills get paid and there's food on people's tables. But then coming out of this, I would love to see kind of an unprecedented federal infrastructure program that gets people back to work and also lays some of that foundation for the knowledge economy, however that looks like, and and that's the way that, like, yeah, I mean, if he did say we don't have the luxury of diversifying, I get, uh, I find that hard to believe. I'm not calling you a liar, but I mean, how, we don't have the luxury of not diversifying would would yeah. actually be the, would actually be the truth, okay? Because if we're going to keep on, you know, that old chestnut of uh, you know hoping that uh, you know the 1970s or 60s in Alberta repeat themselves, like. The, it's just not happening. So we we absolutely must diversify it. And I think it's interesting to see, you know, how much of a role government really has when things get a little bit tough. And um, one of, I don't know if it was you, Adam, or maybe one of our other friends texted the uh, Financial Post uh, editorial uh, from yesterday that said, you know, we're gonna have to re-examine the, uh, the prevailing economic forces over the last 40 years and look at a bigger role for government. Now, I'm not quite sure what that means or what that would look like. And I'm, and I'm always skeptical of stuff like that, but you realize, you know, when, um, when we get into a crisis like we are now, if, if we don't work together and if governments don't, don't use the tools and levers that they have available to them, we're all a lot worse off. So I'm really interested to see like not tomorrow, not next week, but you know, in five years from now how have we kind of modified society because of our, you know, shared, uh, um, our shared fate when a, when a pandemic like this comes along. It's a, it's an interesting thing to think about for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Abs- absolutely. So optics. <laughs> how, how do you, how do you think our politicians? I mean, we, 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 you, you, t- you talked about, you talked about Justin Trudeau. I don't know if you have anything more to say about Mr. Trudeau, but, but in terms of how our, our politicians, or we've talked about some of the stuff that's being done now, Yeah, optics-wise, how do you think, what what do you think the situation is? Uh, You know, I am a Trudeau skeptic. I've been a Trudeau
2: skeptic for a long time, as, as you know, Dave. I just, I think it's often virtue signaling and more talk than action on a lot of different files. And Uh, I I'd like to be surprised now. I think I, I still think we could, I think that he could do a great job here still, but certainly, uh, if I gave him a 10 out of 10 on that one Friday, the 27th, he's, he's probably down to a five now just with, uh, you know, lack of clarity around the details and lack of clarity around execution and implementation. Um, Kenny, you know, one thing I, I will say that I think Kenny's done a good job on that. I haven't heard people really giving him credit for is. Um, really getting out of the way and allowing our chief medical officer, who's clearly an outstanding communicator and a poised and mature leader to kind of have the stage and do her thing. And, you know, it's like you you see Trump up there standing next to his medical expert and, you know, and Fauci and the guy's putting his face in his hands at the time, you know, like Kenny's, (laughs) I don't know, that's a low bar, but, but, but Kenny's not taking too much of the spotlight now. And, and he really is, I would say, maybe against, you know, he's been a kind of a free market libertarian person his whole life. Like this would be, this is a lot for him to kind of shut everything down. And and so he's 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 definitely playing ball. Um the the cuts that we've seen to to uh the education and and health at the same time, you know, kind of rub me a little bit the wrong way, especially when you think the deficits are going to be really, really big coming out of this thing that like, do you need to sort of twist the knife in to save a hundred million at a time like this? Yeah, I don't know. So to me, that would be kind of the negative on him, but he's definitely not lost. He hasn't lost the room. He hasn't lost the people. I think he's got, um, I, I don't know what his polling's at right now, but I just, I couldn't imagine it's going down. Um, and then our mayor, Don Iveson, you know, we haven't seen a ton, of, he was in self isolation for one for a little bit and we haven't seen a ton, but I think it really shows how the, uh, the 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 federal and then provincial and then municipal government, like in that kind of descending order, just have so much more power. Like, the, like, like there's not all that much that the mayor can really do, other than uh, you know encourage social distancing and and do whatever they're doing with their own staff. I know they've had to make some difficult decisions, but but it's really been been Trudeau. To me, the the two figures that kind of spring to mind for me are Trudeau and, uh, and obviously, and Dr. Dina Hinshaw are the ones that that I've seen again and again, and and are probably kind of becoming the faces of the of the crisis a little bit for me. I don't know, like, what do you think though, Dave? Like, you're not always the biggest Kenny fan. Like, do you think he's really uh, bungling this thing or? <laughs> No, am I, I mean, am I allowed to ask questions? I don't know how this works. Yeah, no,
1: go ahead. Ask, ask me <laughs> questions. That's okay. Uh, no, I mean, I, I I don't I don't I don't necessarily disagree with, with your statement. I mean, I think that on the I think that you know our our political leaders can be given credit. I should be given some credit for for step, standing aside and letting the the healthcare professionals like Dr. Dina Hinshaw, and we see this in other other chief medical officers of health. In um, I think it's Bonnie Henry in British Columbia who's become kind of a big uh, uh, similar kind of, uh, of, uh, of social media celebrity in a way. Um, it's kind of weird to say. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think Kenny can be given credit for letting the, the you know, on letting the professionals handle, the, you know, taking advice of, of Dr. Hinshaw. Um, we seem to be doing, I mean, doing what we need to do here in Alberta. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I can't comment on the, on the health side of it, but uh, um, it, it's the political side that kind, of, that kind of bugs me. And I think this has to do with with what we were talking about earlier about recalibrating and readjusting to the new reality. And I think that uh, in some ways, I think Jason Kenney has, has had a hard time readjusting that you know, maybe this political agenda doesn't fit in April, 2020. Yeah. Um, I mean, no one cares about deficits right now. Yeah. No one cares about debt. Spend the money you need to. We need yeah. to get through this. No one cares if you balance the budget by 2023. I think that's all out And I think that's all out the window. And I would be surprised if if they're even still thinking about being on that track. Um so Kenny's a pretty
2: smart guy. He, he I think he, he does smart, understand which way the winds are blowing. And he yeah. will probably I think we will see a bit of a shift from him. I mean, that I guess that's kind of the the thing to watch.
1: Yeah, I'm not I mean, I think the 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 you know, one of one of the, the things that we've learned over the past. Past few years is I mean never underestimate Jason Jason Kenny he's a very he's a very capable politician Uh, and I think he does understand which way the you know he does he is able to clue in in terms of which way the which way the wind is blowing and I think that I think the laying off the twenty five thousand education workers was a big miscalculation I think there was a bit of taking advantage of a of the crisis uh, to to kind of slide some of this stuff through and I'd I'd be very interested to see I'm definitely going to be watching to see what else what other examples that that uh, that they, they try to try to slide through during this crisis. I think I really think that was an example of it. Um, but I, I don't think there's a real public appetite towards playing these types of political games. I, I don't, I just don't think there's a, there's an appetite in it from Albertans. And I think that, that, uh, I hope that we start to see, uh, people pushing back politicians, um, who, uh, who, uh, who try to use this crisis to, uh, to kind of push through political agendas that are not, uh, you know may have been acceptable during last year's election but but aren't palatable now or popular or popular yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly accept,
2: right? i mean you got elected with a great big majority basically by saying i'm gonna get the the money figured out and <laughs> that's not what people want right now yeah another thing that i think we're going to see more even in the week to come or the two weeks to come is um governments how forthcoming are you being with your modeling and your data because a lot there's been in the national press some of the national columnists in the, in the global and mail and the national post have been really tough on Trudeau for not providing more information to the public about what the government knows in terms of modeling. And I believe I, I should make sure, but I think that Ontario has now provided some of that and made some of that public and is getting a lot of good feedback around that. And so it will be interesting to see what the different governments do uh, over the next couple of weeks when people start saying, okay, what is actually going on? That's something that I actually personally would really love to to see an, an elected official say. I'd love to hear an elected official say this, guys. What we really need is personal protective equipment for the healthcare workers, more ventilators, and more ICU capacity. Now, right now, everyone's kind of taking a knee to buy time, so we can get all that stuff. And and then once we have all that stuff in place, we're going to be able to do uh, a little bit better of a, of a healthcare response. And this is how long that's going to take. And I've I've never heard any of them say that. Like, like how many masks do we need? How many ventilators do we need? They know all that stuff. And I think that would be a cool move from from any elected official to say is that, like, this is is the deal. This is what we're doing. This is why we're asking so much of all of you. And three weeks from now, we're going to be happy with the number of N95 masks that we've got. You know, something like that. But I I haven't heard anybody be that forthcoming. And I don't really understand why. I, I don't think it would be... I don't I think it's fair of of the public to want to know, given how much we're all being asked to do. So just let us know what the plan is and uh, and then we can then it's easier for people to stay on side. Because so I think if if we don't find if we don't get ever told what the plan is eventually people go, you know what, I'm getting a little bit tired of these restrictions and these guys don't know what they're doing anyway. And I'll probably just go, you know, stop, stop heeding the advice. And so I think that's a risk. A great government right now, I think, would be over communicating about what's actually going on and, and none of them are.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think sending out is, you know, providing as much data and as much, as much information about, about that kind of stuff. Um, because I do think that, I mean, we, we're all going to start to get tired of this. I mean, we, you know, whether, even if we, I mean, I, I, recognize the importance of, of self isolation and or social distancing, physical distancing, and I've been doing my best, but like it is tiring. It is exhausting. And I think if people people need to maintain a trust in government, uh, and if they feel that government is not being fully transparent with them, if their elected officials are not being fully transparent and open with them, I think that that could lead to some cynicism, and and you know could lead to uh, to people making making poor decisions, you know, a few weeks or a few months down the line. I've, I mean, I've heard a lot of I, I haven't heard a lot of talk about this from people I've been speaking with, but I have seen the media start to raise this question. So I suspect. It, because reporters are asking the question, it's going to start to trickle into yeah. media coverage and trickle into the, the public conversation. So, yeah, I mean, more da- the more data is, uh, is, is the better. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for Justin Archer for joining us today. Thanks to the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, for supporting the show. Thank you to our handsome producer, Adam Rosenhart for always making us sound so good. You're welcome. Uh, send us your feedback or ask any questions you have for our next episode. You can get us on Twitter or on Instagram at, at @DaveBerta or on the Dave Berta Facebook page, or you can email us at podcast@daveberta.ca. At uh, leave a review where you download your podcast. We love reviews—five uh, stars only, please. Uh, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Stay home if you can, and especially if you are sick. Stay safe, and thank you for listening.